Hey, I'm Nancy Cavey, National ERISA Disability and ID Disability Attorney. Welcome to Winning Isn't Easy. Before we get started, I've got to give you a legal disclaimer. The Florida Bar Association tells me I have to tell you that this isn't legal advice, but nothing is ever going to prevent me from giving you an easy to understand overview of the disability insurance world, the games that disability carriers play, and what you need to know to get the disability benefits you deserve. So off we go. Do you have a unum short or long-term disability insurance policy, or are you the beneficiary of an employer-provided uh, unum policy or plan? If so, today's podcast is for you. Now, if you're not insured by unum or covered under a plan, that doesn't mean that you should just turn this episode off, because there are lots of lessons to be learned, particularly lessons uh, that may be applicable to your case. Disability carriers do uh, a lot of things the same way. Um, some carriers are worse than others, and uh, there are certain carriers I would put in that category. But today is an important day because we're going to talk about three things. Can UNAM deny your claim if you're unemployed at the time you became disabled? The importance of a CPET exam in a chronic fatigue or uh, MSCFS claim. And what a Utah court did in overturning Unum's wrongful denial of a trial attorney's claim for disability as a result of post-cardiac surgery complications and complaints of pain. So let's take a break a moment before we dive into these great topics. Have you been robbed of your peace of mind from your disability insurance carrier? You owe it to yourself to get a copy of Robbed of Your Peace of Mind which provides you with everything you need to know about the long-term disability claim process. Request your free copy of the book at kvlaw.com today. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. Can UNAM deny your claim if you're unemployed at the time you became disabled? Many disability policies or plans require that you be actively working at the time your disability arises to be entitled to disability benefits. But what if you have an individual disability insurance policy that doesn't have what's called an active at work requirement and doesn't exclude coverage for unemployed uh, individuals? Are you entitled to your disability benefits? So here's the question. Are you unemployed and disabled? If so, are you entitled to your benefits? So I'm going to tell you the story of Catherine Brzezinski, who was an administrative assistant who left her job and she began looking for other work. Now, while she was unemployed, she injured her back and her doctor told her that she was totally disabled. She had an IDI claim and she filed this claim against Paul Revere Life Insurance Company, who was her carrier. And they said, heck no, we're not gonna pay these benefits. You were unemployed at the time of your disability. Paul Revere said that she was not entitled to her benefits and ultimately she ended up filing a lawsuit in New York State Court. Paul Revere moved to dismiss her lawsuit and the court agreed. However, she didn't give up and she appealed to the Supreme Court of the state of New York who disagreed with this denial. So in the case of Brzezinski versus Paul Revere, the appellate court said that Paul Revere's interpretation of their policy language was wrong. In fact, the court said that since Paul Revere didn't use specific language requiring a policyholder to be actively at work at the time they became disabled, they couldn't exclude coverage for a disabled, unemployed policyholder. Now, a basic principle of contract interpretation in insurance law 
is that when the meaning of an insurance policy term is in doubt or is subject to more than one reasonable interpretation, the ambiguity, the confusion has to be resolved in the favor of the policyholder and against the insurance company who drafted the policy. In other words, if the disability carrier meant what they said, they had to say what they mean. Got it? That's pretty clear. If you're going to uh, limit coverage, then you need to say you're not entitled to disability insurance coverage if you are unemployed at the time you become disabled. The court reasoned that the occupation that she was regularly engaged in and to which she was attempting to return when she was injured was an assistant administrator. The court ruled that Paul Revere couldn't deny her benefits because she was temporarily unemployed at the onset of her disability. So don't let a disability carrier uh, rob you of your peace of mind by interpreting the terms of the policy in their favor. That's not how it works. Got it? Let's take a quick break. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. The importance of a CPET examination in this MECFS uh, claim is important for you to understand. Why? Well, disability insurance carriers like First Unum Life are not in the business of paying disability insurance benefits for conditions like MECFS. They'll argue there isn't any objective basis for the diagnosis, notwithstanding the fact that MECFS can't be established through objective medical evidence. Courts are generally not impressed with that argument. The next argument is one they are impressed with, and that is the carrier will say, look, we look at these medical records and we just don't see an indication that your records support a level of impairment that would prevent the policyholder from working. They'll argue that there's no objective basis for restrictions and limitations assigned by the treating physician that would justify the payment of disability benefits. And that's true even if the policy is silent on requiring objective evidence of disability or even uh, requiring a level of impairment as the standard of disability. So what do you do in an MECFS case? Because documenting the restrictions and limitations on an objective basis can be hard. But there is an objective test called a cardiopulmonary exercise test known as a CPET. It can objectively measure fatigue and other symptoms that will objectively interfere with the policyholder's ability to work. But what do disability carriers say about CPET examinations? Well, I will tell you they don't like them. They don't like them because they're objective evidence of disability. So one of the games that disability carriers will play is to try to discredit the CPET examination. And the first thing they'll say is, well, that CPET exam isn't time relevant. It doesn't address the policyholder's functionality at the time the claim was denied. Now, if that doesn't work, they are going to say that the CPET findings were not supported by a physical examination conducted by the treating physician, or they'll then get into treatment issues. They'll say, look, the level of the treatment provided or the nature of the treatment recommendations are just not supportive of the level of severity, notwithstanding what that CPET uh, exam finds. And then of course, they'll argue that the CPET is not objective evidence of impairment because it's based on the subjective complaints of the policyholder. So that's a lot of arguments that they'll raise to try to negate, wipe out that CPET exam finding. What do courts do with these arguments? 
Well, let's talk about the case of Tam versus First United Life Insurance Company. And Ms. Tam was a software engineer. She suffered from MECFS. She applied for and she was paid her short-term disability claim uh, even after undergoing an IME that Carrier had that found her amazingly to be severely impaired. I'm sure they never used that IME provider again. But when she applied for her long-term disability benefits, Unum played the game it always plays. It had four medical reviews by physicians reviewing her medical records. And of course, none were qualified to evaluate her medical condition. Unum denied her LTD claim and on appeal, she submitted a CPET exam, which was favorable to her. Not to be undone or uh, not to have their denial undone, Unum hired a fifth medical reviewer who ignored the CPET exam and said, eh, it's not time relevant. I don't think it's valid. And Unum did what it, Unum always does. It upheld the denial. Now, the judge was not impressed with the Unum playbook denial. The judge noted that none of these five peer review providers had any experience with her multiple medical condition. Secondly, the court criticized Unum's demand that she submit objective evidence of her medical condition because the court noted that CFS can't be established through objective evidence. Third, the court rejected Unum's arguments that the CPET test was not time relevant because the medical reports rendered retrospectively shouldn't be ignored based on that fact alone. The test should have been considered in combination with all the medical records because in fact, those test results were consistent with the prior medical records. And guess what? Ms. Tam was awarded her disability benefits as she should have been. Don't let disability insurance carriers like Unum pull out their playbook and deny a claim that's based on subjective medical conditions. It might be an MECFS claim. It could be uh, a migraine claim. Uh, it could be any number of claims based on subjective complaints. Disability carriers don't wanna pay you your benefits and you owe it to yourself to hire an experienced ERISA disability attorney to overcome a wrongful claims denial. I'm gonna talk next about how Unum and other carriers look at pain complaint cases. We'll be back in a second. Are you a professional with questions about your individual disability policy? You need the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. This book gives you a comprehensive understanding of your disability policy with tips and to-dos regarding your disability application that will assist you in submitting a winning disability application. This is one you won't want to miss. For the next 24 hours, we are giving away free copies of the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. Order yours today at disabilityclaimsforprofessionals.com. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. Let's talk about how a Utah court overturned Unum's wrongful denial of a trial attorney's claim for disability as a result of post-cardiac surgery complaints of pain. Disability carriers like Unum hate disability claims based on complaints of pain and restrictions associated with those complaints because of the lack of objective documentation. Just like I talked uh, in our earlier segment about CPET exams, and how they're used in uh, MECFS claims, disability carriers will often argue that disability benefits are not due and owing because there's no objective basis of the restrictions and limitations. And they'll also argue that any restrictions and limitations are based on the policyholder's subjective complaints, <clears throat> which are not reliable. 
And that's exactly what they did in the case of Doosnip versus Unum Life. Uh, and Unum went out of its way to deny this claim by having five peer review providers all say that Doosnip could work and wasn't disabled. Now, I think it's important that we all know that Doosnip was a former trial attorney, and I suspect that the courts uh, uh, were familiar with him, or certainly they would have Googled him to see that he was a, a trial attorney. And he had undergone a quadruple bypass heart surgery, was, which was successful, but it left him in constant pain. Now, Unum said, oh, no, we're not going to pay benefits. The medical evidence contradicts your self-report of pain, and the diagnostic studies confirm that you're physically capable of working, and those physical tests don't cooperate with your complaints of pain. Now, Unum also said, hey, you've refused or you're discontinued the use of medication, and you're not undergoing procedures that would help relieve your pain. And by the way, we're going to cherry pick the medical records, and we think your condition is improving. Now, the court uh, said, uh-uh, no, that doesn't work because Doosnip had neuropathic pain, and there really is no way to test neuropathic pain. Um, and they also noted that Doosnip had declined treatment because uh, of side effects of the medication. They were so significant that he just couldn't continue to take the medication. And so the court said, look, his refusal to undergo treatment or to take this medication is not sufficient in and of itself to justify a claims denial. You just can't deny a claim based on the lack of objective evidence of the diagnosis or restrictions and limitations. You're required to uh, get past these subjective complaint issues. This is important because, as I've said, disability carriers hate subjective medical conditions like pain claims, MECFS, migraine complaints. So it's important for you to understand that the disability carrier really isn't going to get very far in denying a claim on the basis of lack of objective evidence of the diagnosis. They do have a better run at it if they're denying the claim on the basis that there's a lack of objective basis uh, for the complaints of uh, pain uh, or other uh, symptoms that would justify the restrictions and limitations. But there are always ways around this, I think. So don't let the disability carrier deny your claim uh, on the basis that uh, you could never possibly be diagnosed or be disabled because of pain or that your pain doesn't uh, arise to a level that results in you being disabled. So what are the lessons that we learned uh, today? Well, the lessons that we have uh, learned are that um, you can collect potentially your disability benefits even if you're unemployed, particularly if you have an IDI claim. That may not be the case if you have an ERISA claim. Secondly, disability uh, carriers can't deny claims solely on the uh, basis of a lack of objective basis of the diagnosis. And we've learned that disability carriers uh, can sometimes successfully deny claims on the basis of a lack of objective evidence for the restrictions and limitations, but that there really are ways around that particular defense, particularly if um, you had, for example, a CPET examination, which are key in a, in a MECFS case or a fibro case, or you have pain that's consistent with a diagnosis uh, and the treatment. In other words, pain is to be expected as a, a side effect, uh, and that there is potentially 
objective evidence of the restrictions and limitations, be it via a CPET exam or, or uh, a functional capacity evaluation. So there are ways around these carrier defenses. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you like this podcast, consider liking our page, leaving a review, or sharing it with your friends and family. Remember, this podcast comes out weekly, so tune in next week for another insightful episode of Winning Isn't Easy.